0: Pastor Burkett assured me that uh, it would be appropriate if I give you a brief report of the Tentmaker Project, and I'm glad to do so, And but first let me thank you for your support of that ministry. It has been especially encouraging uh, to see how the Lord has used the project for his glory, and it's encouraging for me to see how he is using congregations like you to support that ministry, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, If you look at an African map, you will always wonder, where is Uganda? You can always find it because it's just north of the largest freshwater lake in Africa called Lake Victoria. Lake Victoria is shared by four nations, Uganda to the north. Uganda is is uh, hosting many refugees from Somalia and particularly from South Sudan and also from uh, Eastern Congo. Uh, and uh, these people are fleeing from terrorism and they are fleeing from civil war and various other problems. And Uganda has the largest refugee camp in the world, in one camp alone, over a million people. And Uganda is attempting to feed these people and educate them. And the resources of the country are stretched rather thin to take care of that. It is a It is a country with a private enterprise economy, and so therefore the food prices go up whenever there is a shortage of food. That means that the poor in the country have a more difficult time buying the foods they cannot personally raise, and many people in the cities cannot raise food. So the prices have gone up very high relative to where they used to be, and the poor are <clears throat> the poorest of the poor are the ones that suffer the most. The Five Loaves Ministry is designed to uh, bring some relief to the poorest of the poor by providing food assistance in various ways. That ministry has multiplied in recent months, and um, it's been a very, very uh, helpful thing to see. The Tentmaker Project. Uh, provides loans to the poor but not the poorest of the poor because the poorest of the poor do not need to be weighed down with any kind of debt. Um, The Tentmaker Project provides uh, loans at two percent interest to help pay for some of the expenses but not all of them. And uh, these people repay the loans because their businesses will have Uh, have gotten a capital boost and therefore could be more profitable. Uh, Kampala is a a metropolis of uh, about three million people. It's it's a modern city. Uh, uh, Surrounding the city are many uh, suburban towns and communities that show evidence of a lot of poverty. We do have loan activity in the Kampala area And it's doing pretty well. Only one that I know of right now has completely failed um, out of recently 10 or 15 loans. We are also working in four villages. Well, we're working in in six villages to the east of Kampala, the capital city. Um, If you think of the northern shore of Lake Victoria, the capital city is right there. But also the Nile River comes out of Uh, Lake Victoria and um, there are four villages in particular close to the beginning of the Nile River and that's where our loan activity has been recently and most of these loans um, about 80 percent of them have been to agricultural interests in other words small farmers who have a little bit of land and they grow uh, corn and beans and other things uh, as well as raise a few animals. and so we have been lending to these people rather uh, vigorously uh, our loan activity, and it has just been so successful. These people are repaying their loans, their crops are better because of the fertilizer that they have been able to afford, uh, and the insecticides that they have been able to afford and uh, and so on. and the small, uh, uh, store owners have been able to increase their purchases at the same shipping costs. Uh, the volume of purchases have been able to go up at the sh- same shipping costs as a smaller volume, and so that has made it possible for their profits to go up. They too are repaying their loans. So praise God. When, when we when we give a loan out, it's a it's a When I say we give a loan, we we lend the the money to them. Um, Several things happen. Their profits go up. They're able to supply their family with the food they need. They're able to keep their children in school. And this is particularly important for the girls to be able to stay in school. All people in Uganda pay tuition, not just private school, even public schools. They are able to train a teenager in the family to run the business. They are able to employ people on a part-time basis usually if it's a store or if it's a farm that needs a lot of help in harvest time. It provides services to the local community. So you can see how a a small micro business that is more profitable is helpful on a number of measures. But primarily. The thing that encourages me perhaps the most, more than the ability of the family to supply their own members with the food they need and the education they need, but to support the local community church that they are a part of. In these four villages, there are four Presbyterian churches. And they are doing better because of the tithes and the offerings of the people. So I want to thank you. Just give you a few minutes of a report to let you know that it is having an effect and it's a good effect all to God's glory. Thank you. Turn in your Bibles to Second Timothy, Chapter Three, for the preaching of the word. Paul's second epistle to Timothy, Chapter Three. I begin reading at verse 14. May the Lord add his blessing to this word. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know that from uh, you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let us pray. O Lord, this is your word. It is our privilege to break it out to your people who receive it by faith. We pray that you will bless, as has been prayed, not only this word that is presented and this people that is receiving the word, but also this preacher who is delivering it. I pray, O oh Lord, that your glory might be manifest in this particular portion of your truth. And this we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Uh, this is the month of October <clears throat> to 2017. 500 years ago was the beginning of the Protestant Revol- uh, Reformation. And uh, several things came out of the Reformation that are valuable. And uh, these five solas are not the only things that came from the Reformation, but they summarize a, the main portions of it. I, I hope that I can remember what they are. I'm going for my memory here. Christ uh, uh, Christ only. Faith only, scripture only, grace only, to God's glory only. The word sola is a word for only in Latin. And uh, so the message today from uh, you can see in your bulletin is sola scriptura. And this particular passage is important to that particular only. And... uh, I would like to be able to present it to you this morning and ask you to be in prayer as you receive the word, as we have prayed in the beginning uh, that you receive the word and that I be able to faithfully deliver this word to you. Um, There is one reason why the scripture is the only and final authority of our our of our profession and of our people. And it is because it is God breathed. It is because it is God breathed. Uh, it is stated there in verse sixteen you will see that. All scripture is God breathed and is useful. Uh, <clears throat> several places in the New Testament we find Support for that particular idea that it is God breathed. Uh, let me give you a couple of those. In First Peter chapter one, verse 11, we read these words: The prophets were trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. That is suggestive of what is further spelled out in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Listen to these words. Uh, I, uh, uh, verses 20 and 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I believe a separate sermon could be preached on that, uh, f- uh, that verb, carried along. Uh, but I'll leave it with you to understand that it simply means God breathed which is what our text says in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verse 16. So that is why the scripture is our only and ultimate authority. It's our authority for personal living. It's our authority for families. It's our authority for churches. It's our authority for councils. It's our authority for civil life as well. Uh, it is a wonderful thing. Now I'm going to move on to its usefulness, but before I do so let me tell you where I'm headed. Uh, you may already have gathered <clears throat> where I'm headed, <clears throat> but <clears throat> just to say it doesn't doesn't ever hurt. Because the Word of God is God breathed, it is eminently useful And for good purpose. That's all found in these few verses. Let me repeat that. That's what I'm trying to get across. That because the word of God is God breathed, it is eminently useful and it is for good and holy purpose. Let's move on and look to the, the usefulness of this word we have from the Lord. It's first of all useful for teaching. You will see that uh, <clears throat> it is is it is in verse uh, 16 there. It is useful for teaching. The teaching is the first of four things teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness. First of all teaching. Well the word for teaching is didactic. Uh, it's uh, I'm not pronouncing the Greek word uh, correctly but. That's where we get our, that our word didactic uh, learning from. And uh, it's, it's as Jesus taught his disciples, a kind of a question and answer approach. Sometimes you recall the disciples ask him questions and he gave answers. Uh, sometimes his opponents ask him questions and he gave them answers. He often tied them in knots, by the way, when he gave them his answer. And sometimes he asked his own disciples his own questions and, and they were to give him the answer. And if they didn't have the answer, he would instruct them. So that's didactic teaching. It's catechetical. It's question and answer. The question can come from the teacher or it can come from the student, from the disciple in this case. Uh, classroom instruction did happen to an extent, especially in the synagogues. Where the uh, teacher would read a passage of Scripture and, and make comments uh, in a worship format. But any rabbi that was capable of teaching would usually have disciples that would follow him, and uh, this kind of teaching would take place. So the Scriptures, <coughs> excuse me, the Scriptures are useful <coughs> for, for teaching. What, what kind of teaching uh, should the scriptures bring about? Well, I think maybe we can easily summarize that. Uh, the first uh, teaching that should come about uh, because of the scriptures that are God-breathed would be the teaching about Christ. Uh, uh, how, how, how it is that we come to know him. Uh, how it is that uh, we live our lives and and uh, to to his glory. In fact, Timothy was taught that way. In fact, I want to take you back to verse 14 in our chapter here. I read that earlier. Uh, Paul tells him to continue in what he has learned and have become convinced of because you know from whom you learned it. Now, I wonder who those who it was that he learned it from. Well, if you if you go to uh, chapter 1, verse 5, you will see who it is. Uh, he says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. So his mother taught him. And his grand- grandmother taught him. At least those two individuals taught him. And Paul says in this particular passage, because you know those from whom you learned it, <clears throat> and how from infancy, wow, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Have you ever thought about that? Did you realize that when a mother is with child that she can teach? I know you know that. I know a lot of you are homeschooling um, your families, your children, and that's a wonderful thing. But when a mother sings to her unborn child, she is teaching from infancy. And when that child is born, they continue to read basic scriptures and sing to that child. That child is being taught from infancy. Now, that in itself is such a marvelous thing, but let me take it another step here. Timothy, Uh, Eunice and his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois did not have the New Testament. We know that by implication only. They had the Old Testament. And yet, Paul says, how you have, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You may think, well... I didn't realize that the Old Testament Scriptures presented Christ quite that clearly. But let let me remind you what Jesus said to those two men that he was walking to the town of Emmaus with. And we have record of that in Luke chapter 24. You remember, this is after his resurrection. And you remember that he joined these two men... And he asked them what they were talking about and they told him and he said, what's that all about? And so they, they rebuked him because he didn't know anything about what had happened in Jerusalem. How could he, how could he possibly not know? And uh, so on. So they, they just didn't realize who it was they were talking to. And then he said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That is how Timothy knew about and believed in Christ from the beginning. He was wise unto salvation. It still is the case. How the scriptures are able to make us wise unto salvation. Even our youngsters and even our infants. So we, it teaches. The word of God teaches us about Christ. But the word of God also teaches us what to believe about Christ. Let me just rattle off a few of the doctrines that are important for the believers about faith and repentance about victory over Christ and Satan's temptations about prayer blessings of our adoption into Christ's family the church and about the church how in justification our guilt is removed how in our redemption by Christ he takes the, the penalty that, is deser- that we are deserving upon himself. And how in our propitiation he removes from us the wrath of God. How it is that we know what our hope in Christ is as far as eternal life is concerned. what we should know about growing in Christ, that is sanctification and our trusting him in all aspects of life. Those are the things the scriptures teach us. There's one more area that I want to mention that the scriptures teach us about. Philosophical. The scriptures teach us a Christian world view. How we look at the creation. How we look at human society. How we look at the arts and the sciences. How we look at purpose. How we look at recreation. Everything we do. The scriptures speak to us philosophically about those issues of life. A Christian worldview. So the word of God teaches us about Jesus. It teaches us what to believe and teaches us how to approach the world by faith. The second thing the scriptures are useful for is... For rebuking. That's the second uh, gerund in this particular passage. <clears throat> the word means to rebuke error. To correct, to correct error. To rebuke it. To rebuke it as sinful. It in effect sets the lower perimeter of our behaviors. It, sells, it says beyond this you shall not go. Uh, The Ten Commandments are thou shalt nots, some of them, most of them. We cannot go there. So the rebuking evaluates, it shows, it, it brings into light those sinful behaviors and evaluates those sinful behaviors. And we are rebuked about that. And if we are participating in that, then the scriptures rebuke us personally. Uh, The best analogy I keep hearing is that if if our physicians didn't tell us what was wrong with us, we would not know where to go for correction. We would not know what treatment to ask for. We would not, or to accept, we would not know what medicines to use. We have to know the bad news. The rebuking part of the usefulness of Scripture tells us what's wrong with us. We have to know, my friends. How can we grow if we do not know what is wrong, what is bad about our behavior? So the Scriptures do that. So when you read your Bible, pay attention to its rebuke. Because the positive is coming. The positive is coming. And that's the third useful, uh, usefulness of Scripture for correcting. Now, the word for correcting, the uh, Hebrews used a word that means sit up. And so if you are on the floor uh, doing your uh, uh, back stretchy exercises or something... If you're going to get to your feet, you usually have to sort of sit up first. So it it means get off the ground and sit up. Uh, Prepare for some corrective activity here. Uh, Get to your feet and move ahead. So you have to sit up to do that. Uh, Right now, you are sitting up. That's what this word means. And... And this is a this is this is a positive thing, whereas the rebuking was the negative thing. The sitting up is the positive thing, for the correcting is sets a standard of godliness. It's 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 those lofty things such as. Uh, let me just uh, quickly go. It just occurred to me that this would would be a good to good one to give you here. Here 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 is here's the correcting. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. By the way, that's sitting that's up, that's correcting. It's, it's also worldview uh, material. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So that's the correcting. It's a standard of godliness. Scripture tells us the specifics all the time of how to go about godliness, how to decide what the ethical standard is, and how to counsel one another and to make corrective applications and so on. Um, I, go, I take you back to Luke chapter 24 because Jesus gives us just the ideal example of that. When he is talking to those two people on the road to Emmaus, Here is his rebuke. How foolish you are. And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, if that's not a rebuke, I don't know what it is. And here's his corrective. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? That's correction. Now comes the teaching. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. It's useful also for training in righteousness. The word of God that you hold in your lap, that you have on your device, is useful for training in righteousness. The word training is paideia, from which I think we get the word pediatric. The notion is that of a parent who trains his son or daughter to drive a car, to read, to use a dictionary, to use a computer, to know the books of the Bible, how to cross-reference, how to find topics in the Bible, and how to live your life accordingly. So That's training. That's training in righteousness. Now, to summarize these four things, just take this home with you, that the scriptures are useful. Number one, for teaching about Jesus, what we are to believe and a Christian worldview. And number two, to rebuke us. And we need that rebuke. We had prayer of confession this morning. And that comes out of rebuke. And it corrects us. And the scriptures train us in righteousness. No other book of any kind will do those four things. Now, a lot of books will try to train us and teach us and rebuke us. But this particular book, this one here, is God breathed. The prophets and the apostles were born along by the Holy Spirit when they wrote this, according to their own personality. And we need to study this. It is so useful, and no other book can do it, because no other book is God-breathed. Not the Book of Mormon. Not the Apocrypha, not the Quran, not the Hindu religious books, the Bhagavad Gita, which is a Hindu devotional, none of them will do what this one is capable of doing. This, my friend, is useful because it is God-breathed. And that is a basic tenet that comes out of the Reformation that Martin Luther started. John Calvin continued. John Knox continued. George Whitfield, John Wesley. We have learned from those people, too. And they taught us from this. That is the foundational principle of the Reformation, the material principle. The Word of God only is our authority. And because it is God-breathed, it is useful and for excellent purpose. And that purpose is found in the last portion of our text. That we would be equipped for every good work. Equipped for every good work. You might remember, and I close with this verse. You might remember that wonderful passage of second, uh, second chapter of Ephesians. And verse 10, it says this. It says... We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And our text from 2 Timothy chapter 3 says that we are equipped, therefore, for every good work. Parents, you are thus equipped for good work. Employers, you are thus equipped for good work. Employees, you are thus equipped for good work. Teachers, you are thus equipped for good work. Politicians, you are thus equipped for good work. And it all comes out of this book that is God-breathed and is useful. So useful. Let us pray. Father... I remember reading about Martin Luther, who sat a man, a Bible, and you, Almighty God. When you aim to do something in this world, O oh Lord, you use a person. You use the word and you send your spirit and you do a good work. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus name and for his sake. Amen.